0: Youngest daughter was like, We were doing like a word search about like sales or something, salespeople or something. And Mm -hmm. she was like, What's door to door? I'm like, When you go door to door trying to sell something, she was like, She's 11. She's like, Wait, didn't you sell vacuum cleaners door to door? Mm -hmm. I absolutely did. Well, I tried to sell vacuum cleaners door to door about two days worth. Um, So I've tried, like, I've tried to be traditional. I've tried to conform. This shit didn't work out.
1: Hey everyone, I'm Jason V, and this is Local Color, a show about the local color that makes Baltimore great. Today's guest is Devlin Waddell, owner of Not You Vintage in Towson. Devlin's proud of and passionate about his work, but discovered that passion while working through feelings of shame, depression, and rough times. Stay tuned. whole of the space is called the sanctuary
0: but this the fitting room is back there so this is where the clients come in we sit down we have a drink we talk about what they're looking for um
1: not used storefront is an unassuming spot off york road in towson when you first walk in it looks the way a vintage store ought to look strange accoutrements like a pillow made from a basmati rice bag clothing trunks with stuff stacked on top And what vintage store would be complete without a record player and stacks of vinyl? Not U's owner and operator, Devlin, gave me a tour of the place and admitted his office had seen better days. It's usually pretty kick-ass, but since I've been doing more furniture, it's become more about storage. After the tour, Devlin and I sat down in the back of the sanctuary to talk. Devlin had just closed up shop. He was nursing a glass of wine, and as we got started, I noticed his uniquely customized chair. past, like, two to three years, I just noticed that the chair you're sitting on is made out of ties. Yes, yes, I get bored sometimes, so... (laughs) No, that's cool.
0: I I buy vintage ties by the lot, and some of them will come in damage. And um, one day I was like, fuck that, I'm not wasting these ties. (laughs) I don't like this chair either. So I decided to weave the back in the
1: seat with... With old ties. He also wasn't wearing shoes. Devlin's worn a lot of hats in his professional life. Uh, primary experiences in retail
0: and retail management. I've also taught. I actually helped start a middle high school in the city. Co-founded a nonprofit. I've written several books and published the books of a few others. Um, and then I've done administrative work here and there.
1: With a resume like that, you'd think Devlin was birthed in the halls of academia, his first words being the opening lines of a Baldwin novel. Devlin's upbringing was pretty standard for blacks in 20th century Baltimore. The stereotypical
0: ugly for, for folk trying to make ends meet in, in the city, um, all those things that come along with the stories like addiction and incarceration, you know,
1: was that addiction, incarceration? Was that on your part, or,
0: or oh, just family and friends of the family, just the 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 community in general? I guess um, the folks that you see every day, those those figures who sort of by default are authority figures.
1: A lifelong resident of Waverly, Devlin has happy memories of his childhood amidst the addiction and strife.
0: I actually grew up when Memorial Stadium was still there. There was a flag where Frank Robinson hit a ball out of the stadium that said here. The the story that we would tell was that that ball landed in front of my buddy's house. That's how close we were. We would stay out till like 2 o'clock in the morning because the stadium lights were so bright. That was like daytime. My mother, my brothers, and my grandmother and I, when we lived further down, walked up in 83 to, to welcome them home when they won the World Series. Really? Yeah, we would play. Um, there was a field across the street from, um, you know, where Waverly Middle High School is. So that used—it's been completely rebuilt, and there was a field behind the original school. We would play softball, but we would play with the equipment of like jose canseco and ken (laughs) griffey jr because the kids in the neighborhood were the bad boys and stuff oh really so we would be playing with this legit ass baseball (laughs) equipment (laughs) with a baseball diamond about the size of a block ball court or something it was great that's pretty cool that's pretty cool indeed but that's not the story that gets told that's not the narrative of you know, Negroes and Waverly.
1: What is the narrative as someone who's lived it? Well, I mean, I think
0: for me personally, like, I can only speak through the lens of personal experience. Um, That's just my approach. But just the way people view me based on what they know about me, Um, coming into this space and meeting me here, there are... uh, a certain number of assumptions meeting me in the classroom when I was in that, that field or across the street at Towson Town Center when I was doing that. There were these assault, assumptions about where I'm from and, and what my back, how my background must have looked. Um, and it's completely to the contrary. The, the truth is completely contrary to what folk believe, I think, because I tend to be thoughtful in how I express myself. People assume that, you know, niggas don't do that.
1: Growing up, adults tell us not to judge a book by its cover, but for blacks, time has demonstrated that the covers to our books can only display certain images and themes. Soft-spoken and thoughtful are not words you'd describe Devlin with when you meet him. He's a broad man with a big beard and dark skin who'd look more in his element working at Bethlehem Steel. Not You Vintage started out as a hobby for Devlin. Remember his list of professional endeavors? Retail and retail management. Started middle high school in the city. Co-founded a non-profit administrative work. Well, those endeavors also meant a lot of time between jobs, but it was between jobs where Devlin first found his passion. I would
0: thrift a lot just run up the street like, i go get a sweater for $3. Nobody's hurt.
1: It's great. And be home to pick up my kids from the bus. As Devlin thrifted more and more, he amassed a collection of ties and other garments. He'd give stuff to friends if it didn't fit. Devlin even set up an online subscription service where every month, subscribers would receive vintage accessories.
0: I'd send a tie, some cufflinks, and maybe a pocket square or something.
1: But that didn't really pan out. Still between jobs, Devlin volunteered his time on the board of Litmore, a local printing press dedicated to, quote, small press poetry books and ephemera, or things that you enjoy only for a short amount of time. One day, Devlin was lamenting to the director of Litmore about how his side hustle had hit a roadblock since the subscription service didn't take off.
0: Like we were chatting and messaging, I was just like, I probably could sell stuff, but I can't invite strangers to my house, blah, blah, blah. She's like, well, you could use the, closet here and then just volunteer some time and have
1: consultations while you're volunteering i'm like that
0: it was in Hamden, so
1: they say luck is when opportunity meets preparedness devlin had the inventory and now with the space to sell his wares it didn't take long for him to scale his business
0: by the end of that week i had merchandised um let's say the closet was probably about five feet by five feet i merchandised it into a little store wow in the space that small. Um, about a month later, she saw some success. She was like, well, you can move into the big space, and I can bring some of my mother's old stuff, and I'll have my own little shop, too. I'm like, whatever. We can do that. Sure. About a month later, she was like, well, I feel like I'm just getting in the way, so why don't you take over the women's brand, and then you can move into the room with the door with the lock. I'm like, fuck it. All right, we can do that. <laughs> Then about a month later, she was like, well, I don't know where Littmore going, but and so we're probably going to move. I'm like, shit, I don't know what I'm going to do. She's like, but, uh, you know, there is this retail space I know the owner. I'm Towson, and I'm thinking, I don't want to go to Towson. I'm like, I want to stay in the city. Where the <laughs> fuck am from? Then I came and saw the space, and I'm like, oh, shit. Yeah, I'm going to Towson. (laughs) And all of that happened within the span of like six months. Wow. So from the time moving into the closet. Six
1: months to turn a side hustle into a hustle hustle is pretty impressive, but it wasn't without its sacrifices and dark moments. Devlin's dealt with depression for a large portion of his life, and he had to work through it not only for himself, but for his family. Writing provided an outlet for Devlin, and he believes writing allowed him to discover a universal truth about the human condition. Shame. Shame keeps us fucked up. Shame keeps the walls up. Shame keeps us from moving forward,
0: pushing forward. And after a while, even though the publishing thing didn't work out and nonprofit still exists, but it didn't work out for me um, in, in, that res- in, in, in the framework that, that it was, um, I understood that I couldn't work from a place of shame. So whatever came to me, I decided I'm gonna see what happens with it, and I'm gonna see what happens with it unapologetically.
1: Shame keeps us fucked up. Shame can motivate us to do better but can also deflate our confidence and make us feel like we're not worthy of love or kindness. We can also feel shame when pursuing our life's passion because we feel selfish for not thinking about how our pursuits are affecting others around us. Devlin feels fortunate he was able to wade through the darkness of uncertainty and find his calling in life, but sometimes he wishes success in pursuing passion didn't come in such a roundabout way.
0: There are obviously days where, I like, I, where I'm like, I wish I could just work a job, social security over, oh,
1: that was long. over
0: wood Woodlawn, like I, sometimes I really wish I could do it. I don't have that in me. I'm not, that shit was literally killing me. I can't think of, my youngest daughter's like, we were doing like a word search about like sales or something salespeople or something and she was like what's door to door I'm like when you go door to door trying to sell something she was like she's 11 She's like wait didn't you sell vacuum cleaners door to door like I absolutely did well I tried to sell vacuum cleaners door to door about two days worth um, so I've tried like I've tried to be traditional I've tried to conform the shit didn't work out I've seen a lot of people who have convinced themselves that they aren't miserable in their conformity but I can see the misery (laughs) you know what I mean I can hear it in the conversation Mm -hmm. but this is, is an extension of who I am so I'm gonna come in and I'm gonna do it and I'm gonna take pride in it not because I have to but because I choose to.
1: When you love your job, working with clients is easy, doubly so if you're an extrovert and enjoy talking to people. Devlin, however, doesn't really see himself as a schmoozer and finds that some people talk just to talk. I'm not a people person in the sense that we understand people persons.
0: What do you mean? I think when we hear the term people person, that means somebody who's gregarious, going out, talking to people, meeting people. Fuck that. I don't, I don't, I I can say I don't have time. I probably could make time. I don't have the energy for it. That shit is draining. And if it isn't draining you, you probably aren't a sincere person.
1: Sincerity is an important part of running a business and being a good person in general. No one will want to spend time with you if they think you're always playing some angle or just want something from them. Devlin could be described as someone who only talks when he has something to say, and he likes it that way. I love the shit out of people. Like,
0: like, generally speaking, um, and because I do, I, I want to engage, not on a superficial level. Like, if we're going to have a conversation, I want it to be a real, sincere conversation. It doesn't have to be about anything super serious. But I feel like it needs to be honest and thoughtful.
1: Devlin's outlook on social interactions can be seen in his work with Not You Vintage. I feel like part of my job
0: is to extend the client, draw the client out a little bit, see where they are. Like, I don't force people to buy shit. I'm not interested in forcing people to buy stuff. But I am interested in people um, exploring the idea of who they are handle what they are as it relates to what they present
1: clothing is one of the first things we look at when we see people out in the street clothing and style is an extension and expression of oneself devlin believes there's an advantage to shopping and wearing vintage clothes
0: because it's had its life what's left becomes more exclusive and more unique price is an advantage because i'm not looking to get every nickel i can out of it like i'm my my tenants are a quality product, uncompromising service, and accessible pricing. Like, I want people to be able to afford to look good and feel like they got um, the value for what they spent.
1: Saving money and looking good. Isn't that what life's all about? Devlin definitely thinks so, and he hopes you come to him for all your vintage clothing and furniture needs. If you'd like to learn more about Devlin and Not You Vintage...
0: Direct message me on the social media outlets, K-N-O-T-Y-O-U-V-T-G everywhere, or K-N-O-T-Y-O-U-14
1: at, what is it, Gmail? Yeah, Yeah. Gmail. That's the email address. Before I left the sanctuary, I had to ask Devlin. Where did your
0: name come from? I never heard anybody named Devlin before. So I believe my mother um, got it from a romance novel but it's actually an Irish name. (laughs) Interesting. I think it means like fearsome or something. Did you ever have trouble with it growing up? So, yeah, that's a... So most of my life, my family calls... Well, all of my life, my family's called me Devlin. About, and and everybody else, about fourth grade, I think one of my teachers decided my name was Devlin. So from that point on in school... <laughs> I was called Devlon, right? So I could tell how people knew me based on how they said my name. But I got really interested in high school because my bro- one of my brothers, like if he saw me around the way, he'd be like Devlon. But if he saw me in school, he'd be like Devlon. I'm like, no, wait, that's not how this shit works. <laughs> like you can't call me both. You can't perpetuate this bullshit. So, All right? So yes, I do. And everybody thinks Devlon. Just like Revlon. Yeah, bitch, you the first person to say that. <laughs> Two points for you.
1: Today's episode of Local Color was written, produced, narrated, edited, and published by me, Jason V. Follow Local Color on Instagram at Local Color Podcast. You can also like Local Color on Facebook. Head to Local Color's website, localcolorpodcast.com, where you can listen to the entire catalog. Also, please subscribe to Local Color on iTunes to get those push notifications when new episodes drop. Thanks for listening. I'm Jason V, and I'll be back with more Local Color.